Good morning. As you can see, we're going to be talking about something called Empowered by Grace, but I'm not here alone. I have got my beautiful, wonderful wife up here. Can you all give her a hand? She is um, a very motivated individual, and uh, she loves serving. Um, one of her favorite things to do is make me coffee. Can you believe that? that is How cool true. is that? I married the right person. <laughs> um, I so, bought my own mic. Okay, so she's got her own mic. So today, <laughs> um, most people have uh, interpreters. I have an interrupter. Okay. No, so, listen, so, that is because you don't give me a word in each one. That's right. So she's learned if she doesn't interrupt me, she doesn't get to say anything. So don't be offended by that, okay? That's just how we are. Is that cool? We had to fa- have fun, right? Yeah. So, so um, I'm going to just give a little bit of an introduction, that being good morning, <laughs> and that we are here to share with you our journey of grace and what grace has done for us in our lives and how it has empowered us. And since um, I'm a gentleman, I'm going to let ladies go first. Go for it, babe. That's the only word I can get in. <laughs> so um, I was brought up, like many of you, in, in church, but um, I was started off as a traditional church. And through a series of events, including moving to Durban, we ended up um, in a church that is more charismatic, and I thought that was grace. But what I didn't know was that there was a bit of law and grace mixed, and that's quite dangerous because I was explained the freedom of Christ coming in and saving me, but I've always felt that I wasn't good enough. And so what happened was I was jumping through hoops, and uh, I tried to attain the good enough status, and I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't like myself, um, although I pretended to, and I started judging other people, because if I'm failing, someone else should be failing, and I find myself liking the juicy tales, I'm sure ladies, you understand what I'm talking about, because my emotions were quite, got the better of me. And so I wanted to hear how other people failed because if I know that they failed, then I don't feel so bad about myself. But because of that, I ended up judging. And I judged myself more than anything. I would make, if I made a mistake, I would sit and think about the mistake I made for months, even years sometimes. And that didn't leave me in a good place. Yeah, so at the same time, obviously, when I met Tamlin, we met at church. And the church we met at was your average, normal, charismatic church. And they would preach Jesus. They would preach salvation through the cross. They would preach all those things. But in order for you to actually be used by God, you had to jump through a thousand little hoops. And you had to make sure that you were just perfect so that God could use you. And the news flash is that God never used anyone perfect. No one was ever perfect. Even in the Old Testament, they weren't perfect. God used broken vessels, and He came and He restored them, and He made them what He needed them to be. God is the one who's made us who we needed to be in order 
to be able to be who he intended us to be from the beginning. And so our journey started kind of being in church and then coming to a realization that we were just spinning our wheels trying to um, do something for God. And both Tam and I were dancers, so we, would, we thought that God wanted to use our dancing talent to go around and, you know, reach people through our dancing. But God had other things in mind, <laughs> which we realized later. And through the journey, I actually just became very disappointed and despondent with church. Have you ever felt like that? Anybody? Where you're just like, like, is God even still on the planet? I mean, during the last two years, maybe some of you really felt that way. And, and that's how I felt at the time. Because, number one, I grew up with a lot of signs, wonders, and miracles happening throughout my life. And suddenly I wasn't seeing it anymore. And suddenly it was only relegated to those with the special anointing and the special powers. And then how do you become that special person? Well, you've got to jump through all these hoops. And somehow you can only be that special person once you've lived the perfect life. And by that time, it doesn't even exist. I think so, we missed that uh, scripture which says, all have fallen short. Yes, and we'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later. But so, so, so ultimately, we got to a stage where I basically said to Tamlin that I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but I just don't believe in religion. I had a, like allergic reaction to religion eventually. You could say an anaphylactic reaction. I just wanted out. And so I just wanted to avoid church altogether. And I think there's many people who feel that way, even today, who feel like they just, they're done with the institution, they're done with church, but they don't realize that they're sacrificing community. And they're sacrificing an expression of God in a community by doing that. And, and it's really just because of how disappointment, disappointed they are with themselves and with the lack of what I call a God reality. Does it make sense? And I just wanted to go back to church. Yes. So you, you can... Yeah, but I, I thought that we were, we were leaving God out of the situation, even though we would talk about God. But I felt that uh, going to church meant I'm including God. So like we're visiting Jesus at church. Because, yeah, you know, Jesus is stuck here, and we have to bring him some donations every week, keep him going. <clears throat> we're working on getting him out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we really are. So that's where we were at. And, and at that stage, you know, um, playing games every weekend with my friends was way more interesting and way more appealing than showing up at a church and just listening to another bunch of religious garbage that was going to put more stuff on me. And watching Batman. Yeah, ba we can't forget Batman. <laughs> Batman was awesome. Sunday mornings, Batman. It's awesome. Now, you see where we're at, right? I just want you to get a picture of where we were at. And then, sorry. I was told it was easy to use this time. Do you, how do you switch it on? <laughs> huh? Ask Google. <laughs> oh, there. Okay, I just switched it off. Oh, it's on. There we okay. go. Okay. <clears throat> so, one day... Um, I was at home, and <clears throat> Tamlin, she came to me, and she said, um, you read the Bible. <laughs> at the dining room table, my God. Read it. 
Because she figured, I guess, that if we weren't going to be going to church, then we might as well read the Bible, right? Which is a good move, right? I mean, that was probably the, the single most brilliant thing that she did, right? So she, well, I mean, at that point in time, she's done many more after that. Don't, <laughs> don't make me say something I didn't say. So, <clears throat> yeah, just to correct myself there. And so we sat down, and I just immediately felt to go to the book of Romans. And this book fundamentally transformed both our lives, because it was kind of the doorway that I kind of opened things back up again for us. And one of my main concerns was, if God is real, and Jesus did signs, wonders, and miracles on the earth, then we should be seeing those things in the life of every believer, because Jesus lives in every single one of us. And yet, I wasn't seeing it anywhere. So either the Holy Spirit had already left the planet, or God wasn't real. And I didn't want to believe God wasn't real, because I had had encounters with him in my life, and I knew that he was. And so from that perspective, I read Romans 1, and I got to this ver- these two verses. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Yeah, well, you you pondered on that for months. I I, think we got stuck there, like a tape recorder, just, you know, when you, well, no, a broken record, it just stuck there for months. Yeah, broken records are cool. They help you remember things. (laughs) Repetition is the mother of memory. So if you don't know that, just repeat things over and over again, you'll get them. Um, and this, this, these two verses came and actually they, they illustrate something. They illustrate that the power we're looking for isn't in our careers, our, our plans, or anything that we do. The power that we're looking for is actually in the good news. It's in the gospel. But what is the gospel? Yes, and so that was the question. Because the gospel that we had obviously experienced hadn't left us empowered. It had left us disempowered. It had left us wondering, where is the power? And you're not allowed to ask too many questions. Okay, sorry. That was Yes, exactly. And you're not allowed to ask too many questions because the powers that be, they know better than you, and you just need to pitch up, pay up, and go home. Isn't that right? So, so now... <laughs> thank you for that. But we don't have that here, right, Janet? <laughs> Okay, so the reality was that the gospel was the power of God. So God's power was in the gospel. So for me, I needed to begin to understand, well, what is the gospel really about then? Everyone says it's good news, but at the time, it didn't really feel like good news. It didn't. It didn't feel like good news. Tamlin was not feeling like it was good news because her husband didn't really want to do, do anything with the religious requirements that she thought she needed to do in order to be accepted by God. Yeah, that was true. And then, how did that make you feel about me? Uh, quite frustrated. Yes. And I, <laughs> I was frustrated. I didn't recognize you because when I met you, you were passionate, but something had died inside of you. Yes, exactly. And I did not recognize you. So the passion that was in, in us was killed by religion. Now, if you ever find yourself passionless, it's because you come under the law. A born-again believer can still come under the law. They can make up their own rules 
And they can start to live by those rules and make those things so legalistic that they don't have any flexibility and they're not organic in their relationship with God. But I didn't know that because that wasn't what we were taught. We were all brought up in church and taught that these are the things that you need to jump through and you just keep failing. I mean, it was so bad for me. I gave my life to Jesus probably a thousand times, like every Sunday. That was because and, nobody explained it to yes, you. Yes, because the deacons finally realized that this guy didn't understand something. And then the thousandth time, the guy came up to me and said, I think you're saved now. <laughs> I said, okay, if you say so. <laughs> does, it, does it make sense? It's, it, this is the, some, some of the experiences that we had. And then, obviously, we did the next best thing is we continued reading. Finally. You want to read this one? Okay, so Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, actually explains the condition that Taman was talking about before. It says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. How dare they cut me off in traffic? <laughs> Yesterday, you did the same thing to someone else, didn't even realize it. Uh, but you know what? When I lose my temper, I'm justified. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I learned to, not to argue about that one. <laughs> so do you, do you see that this is actually like the very, re, the very thing behind living under the law was that you actually become super judgmental. That's why the Pharisees were so legalistic. It wasn't because they had bad intentions, many of them. Many of them actually wanted to serve God. I mean, even Paul was a Pharisee. And then when he encountered Jesus, everything changed for him. He went from being that to being a servant of God. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things, but now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. Now this was an eye-opening thing for me. What does it mean the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law? That means that God's righteousness that God had revealed in Jesus wasn't dependent on law-keeping. It was dependent on Jesus. So I no longer need to jump through hoops. Yes. So immediately, when because we were reading this at the table, yeah. immediately as I was reading this out loud, I, it was like the Holy Spirit began to work with us. So I encourage you, if you are the head of your home, open your Bible and start reading it. Just read it out loud and let God speak. It's such an, a powerful thing to do. Now, the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law, the, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. That means that the law and the prophets were pointing to something, but they weren't the, the actual thing. They, they were the pointers to it. They weren't the thing. So the law and the prophets can't save you. Jesus can save you. It was just, this was fundamental to what we we're going through. And how did that change your perspective? Well, I felt that I had no longer rights to judge other people, including myself. Um, and then, you know, for me, I felt empowered. I could do more for him without feeling like I needed to earn from him. Yes, and, and you know, it carries on. It says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sometimes we forget about this. Sometimes we think someone's sin is greater than our sin. 
But sin is sin. God sees your little white Wikipedia, I mean, sorry, lie, the same <laughs> as anything else. Are you with me? He's, it, it doesn't make a difference whether you're murdering or lying to God. To society, there's a different impact. There's obviously a different impact when you murder someone to when you just tell a small lie. But the reality is to God, it's rebellion all the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, I actually believe that some Christians actually typex this part out. Oh, they typex lots because, out. Because the thing is, you know, I can't be as bad as that person. And I have the right to judge that person. Yeah, well, you know, so, I, yeah. I mean. Correct. I mean, I'm saved and they're not. So exactly. you get to judge them. <laughs> and we are only justified by His grace. And this is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So this justification that we have doesn't come from anything we've earned or anything we did right or anything we did wrong, thankfully. It comes purely from Jesus. He is the one who has gifted this to us. And you see what happens when you stare pure love and forgiveness in the face. Every excuse you had to be inactive disappears. Every reason you could come up with for why you're not good enough or not capable enough to do something vanishes because every one of those things hinges on the mistakes you've made and how you've interpreted who you are through your mistakes. And this also shows me me, um, my value because redemption was a very big part on what we learned. Redemption isn't just, okay, you just redeemed it's more than that. It's like a slave that has been sold at such a high price that he cannot be bought back into slavery. And for me, that was huge because I, I was slave to my, my judgment, my, my condemnation. But the thing is, he bought that. And when I realized what that word redemption meant... It just brought so much more freedom to me because Jesus was the price. And he is such a high price. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give Sebastian to be sold for somebody I didn't know or a bad person, but I was that bad person. And yet God sold Jesus. That showed me that I was actually valuable to him. And also, I mean, the value, the value that that grace gives us is actually the same value that you would put on your children, which is priceless, right? You wouldn't say that there's a price on your kids. You'd say they're priceless. Well, God paid a priceless price to declare that you were priceless to him. And it's so important because with grace comes that value. And with that value comes a realization that actually I can believe what God says about who I really am. Those things are not out of reach anymore. The things about the power I can walk in, the authority I can walk in, the destiny that God has got for me. They're not just figments of my imagination or some grandiose ideas that I carry. They're actually God's plans for me. And they're God's plans for you. You see, the truth is that while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him 
from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies and sinners, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, who can say much more? Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Much more. You see, we thought that getting saved was great. But living saved is, is even greater. We didn't even know because what normally happens is they tell you, Jesus wants you to come home. He'll forgive all your sin. He'll bring you in. And then when you get in, it's like, okay, now you've got to do, 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 be, 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 be. But when Jesus brings you in, he says, now I've made you new. You are who I called you to be. Now be. Because Christianity is not in the becoming. It's in the being. Yes. And that is what we learned from this scripture. Yeah? For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. And I remember when I had this revelation when I was sitting with our pastor at the time, because we, we haven't told you that part of the story for time's sake as it's already going quite fast. Um, <laughs> But when I sat with him, he explained this to me and he said, if this righteousness is a free gift, then a free gift just overemphasizes the fact that it is free and that it's given. Now, can you, can you lose a free gift? In other words, is there something you can, if you could do nothing to earn it, then is there something you can do to not deserve it? Does that make sense? And he said to me that you can never unearn what's freely given once you've received it. You can, however, throw it away. And, but if you realize that it's yours, then no matter what has happened in your life, at any given time, you can rely on this free gift and you can receive the abundance of grace to walk in it. Isn't that amazing? So... What shall we say then? Because we have this free gift. I mean, that means we can sin as much as we want and it won't be a big deal, will it? I mean, God's covered us. We're sinners abound. Grace is abound all the more. And then we kept reading, fortunately. <laughs> Romans 6, 1 to 4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? See, this is the revelation we have to realize that the only way to divorce ourselves from the law and its requirements was to die with Jesus. The only way for us to be no longer obligated to the performance that came through the law and keeping it was to actually die and be married to Jesus. And what we were doing before was we were saying, yes, Jesus, I want to marry you. And then we were technically having an adulterous relationship with the law throughout the week. Does it make sense? This is why a mixture of law and grace is so dangerous because Jesus will set you free, but law will remind you you're worthless. And by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, who's all of us? Is that everyone here? Have you all been baptized into Christ? So all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried with him. By baptism into his death. In order 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yeah, I want to just say something right there because for me, when we were reflecting on who we were in the past, I felt like I was trying to remember somebody else's story. And that was because that person that I was is not me. And I can truly identify with this because, like, I'm not that person. I was telling Mark, I was like, yeah, I kind of remember these things and I remember the feelings, but I don't, I, it's not me anymore. And that is truly what we mean by death. It's like, not me. That's not my character and nature. And that's exactly what Romans 6.10 is saying. It says, for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Well, that's nice for Jesus. So now you also must consider yourselves. Consider means recognize and acknowledge that you're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, there's no encouragement here to think that sin is a natural form of life. It says, no, 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 we died to that. And why does it say that? Well, very clearly, Romans 6.14 explains why. For sin will have no control, dominion, in other words, power and authority over you. Since you are not living under the law anymore, but you're living under grace. Grace empowers you to live free from sin. Law stirs up sin. And that's the important thing that we need to remember. You see, here's the problem I think we face. It's a tale of two garages. And you might say, Mark, I think you've just lost your mind. <laughs> but here's the thing. The story goes like this. Uh, imagine we're living in a very bad economic time. Oh, that is kind of happening. So, <laughs> so imagine we're living in a time where people can get away with paying really cheap wages and kind of employing people at kind of slave labor rates and treating them like slaves. As, as you know, that does happen, right? So, so garage number one, which is, um, how does this point to work? It's the red button. So you see over there that, that garage there? Can you guys see it? Okay, so that's the old rundown garage in bad economic times. And you are working there, and the employer is literally got you washing the toilets, scrubbing the floors, cleaning out the tanks, I mean, manning the station. You wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you go to bed at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. you like got three hours sleep every day. It's insane what you're going through. You can't get away. You can't afford to leave because if you do, you're basically without a job. You're going to have no food, no income. Nothing's going to happen, and you're literally being punished almost every day. How many of you would enjoy that job? <laughs> but this is what sin actually promises us. Sin promises us a life of slavery. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. So what happens is that in the story... The economic situation changes in a brand new garage. You know that nice fancy one? Tamman found that picture. It's very cool. So that nice fancy garage opens up. And the owner of that garage sees you working on the other side. It's across the road from this donkey Kong place. (laughs) And so what happens is, okay, he comes over and he speaks to you and he says, you know, I'd like to offer you a job. And you're like, a job? What's that? 
Because you haven't really been working for a job, right? So you, then he says, well, look, this is what I want to do for you. I want to put you in charge of my fleet. I want to give you um, accommodation, vehicle, allowances, medical. And he like goes through a whole list. And basically, you're going to come out every year with about 350,000 rand in salary and about another 50,000 rand in bonuses. And you get a free car, etc. Who's keen? I am. Anybody? I've got like some, some really active people over here. Everyone else is like, this isn't even a real story. <laughs> Just follow with me, okay? So now what happens is you put in your resignation because you're honorable. And you leave. And you go and work at the new garage. And you thought that you were going to get like a little one flat, flat apartment kind of thing. And you end up with a three-bedroom house. And you thought that you were going to get like a little buggy to drive around in and you get a brand new double cab, four by four, right? And, and you thought that your medical would just cover like, you know, some basic things and it covers everything. And, and, and as you discover more and more, you realize this deal is even better than you thought. It was good when it, you heard it, but it's even better now. And everything is taken care of. And you're busy working and you're enjoying your job you're like, you, you think that you've entered into this place where you're like, is this even real? You want to like pinch yourself. And then your old boss comes across the road. And he finds you and he's like, what are you doing here? Don't you know that the toilets haven't been scrubbed in three weeks? You're supposed to sort this thing out. And he starts going off at you, telling you, you better get there and do this. This has to happen. Where, where do you think you're, you're going? What do you think you're doing? What would you say? I don't work for you anymore. Is that right? How many of you would be like, yes, boss, okay, I'm coming? Well, you do it all the time when you sin. You don't longer work for him. The Bible says we are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. Yes. You, you are owned by righteousness. You have no right listening to sin. You have no right listening to the voice of condemnation that comes from the enemy to try and derail your destiny. You were called by his name. You are who he says you are. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have any other words? No, I think you said it all. Thank you very much. God bless you.